board. Mm -hmm. Well, we're gonna find out. Is it working? Yes, 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 yes. yes. Perfect. Are you wanting to put it on? Clip it on. Oh man, I'm gonna be really yeah, so happy. I'm gonna be so happening. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> May I help you? So, you know, I talk about art on this podcast. Okay. So art, any kind of art, you know, visual art, uh, cooking, uh, music. Obviously, I want to talk to you about music. Yeah, I can yeah. talk to you about cooking as well. I know. You taught me how to make the greatest salad dressing. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, I mean, still made it that way. Oh, yeah, see. Um, as a matter of fact, I've made that for some people, and they always remember that dressing. I remember the dressing, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because uh, when I came to America, you go to the store, and they have a, a whole section with salad dressing. And for me, it was like, wh why? <laughs> <laughs> we don't buy salad dressing in France. Mm -hmm. We just make it. It's right. really easy. And it's, it's better, a, too. It's better, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, they have a whole section with the thing, with the blue cheese, with the pie, and, this is like a, and then you look at the content, which is something I saw in all, like a 95% of product. Yeah. They have to put corn syrup. Why is that? I don't know. They're mm. trying to, you know, I don't know what it is. They put corn syrup everywhere. It's just you cannot buy something without the corn syrup. Hmm. Maybe it's and a all those, Because people like thin little sweet anyway. Mm. And the corn syrup doesn't uh, freeze. Uh, doesn't, uh, oh, you say, oh. when you, even when you put it in the refrigerator, oh, okay. it, stays. it stays liquid. Okay. liquid. It doesn't, okay? okay? Yeah, and uh, uh, that's the thing. It's good like that. Oh, you know, you put a little corn syrup. It's not gonna make it like that. The same thing they're making cookies to make the cookies to be soft. That's why they do corn that? syrup. Ah, it's horrible for you, corn syrup. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. You know, yeah. so uh, uh, at least if they were using uh, honey, who does the same thing, it would be a little better. Right, I like honey. You know, yeah. but uh, uh, personally, uh, for salad dressing, I don't want any sweet at all. I, I told you so. What I use, there's nothing sweet about right. it. Right. And yeah. uh, uh, I like the tangy thing, uh, the, the, the balance with the, the, the vegetables and all that. You right. know, you want to put a little mustard to give a little, you know. And know. The, the, uh, the, that's the thing, you know, but nobody put uh, corn syrup everywhere. That's why. You, but you don't put any sugar in yours, do you? No, no never. I don't remember that. Never. So, and uh, uh, usually I tell people, you, you have to, you wondering why you have some many obese people because they have corn syrup yeah and that goes in the blood directly you know it's yeah. pure, pure glucose this is terrible right, right. and they have no idea there are so many people with diabetic and things yeah. like that because what's in the food right. and it's really hard even to bypass that you know mm. it's just very hard it's in there? yeah the problem is just like a Whatever you're buying, they're gonna put some stuff, you know, like, let's take an example of the bread. Okay. French people, yeah. we go every day to buy the fre fresh bread. Mm -hmm. Buy a baguette and you have a dinner that. and the next yeah. day you mm -hmm. buy another one. Right. But here it's not that, they want a long shelf life. Mm -hmm. So all the junk they put on those bread you're mm -hmm. buying, it's mm -hmm. just like, it's. Preserve preservatives it. and things like that. Corn syrup, of course. You know, they have right. to put corn syrup. They can escape that one right. to make it fluffy. And the worst uh, is actually a product called azodicarbomanide. I don't know what that is. It's a, it's a chemical that was invented to make foam mattresses. Okay. And it's okay. in food? 
So they find out if they put that in a, in a flower, then the, everything uh, raise fluffy more. Or yeah, really? of course, to make Disgusting. that that bread they want the, everything fluffy. So Disgusting. when they they find a way to uh, use that product to bleach the flour. Yeah. So everything you buy in America with wheat is going to have azodicarbomanide. That's disgusting. And you're wondering what people, you know, yes, yeah, it's made to make foam mattresses. So it's in the food. It's, it's in the flour, all the flowers. Mm. All the flour in America has azodicarbomanide on it. I really try to limit my flour. Yeah, so and uh, if you get some, try maybe to get, uh, if you do it to think yourself, maybe unbleached flowers. Yeah. I never check, it's possible that it won't be in there, but I'm not too sure about yeah. that. They really like the fact that uh, uh, it makes the thing rise more, you know, right. so. And it's funny because people go into the, uh, you know, I'm going to go oh, gluten-free. Yeah. Gluten is what makes the bread rise. So what do you think they're using if they're not putting gluten? If they take the gluten, they're going to be azodicarbomanide. Ah, because it makes it fluffy. <laughs> exactly. That's disgusting. To replace the yeah, soap. That's disgusting. They, they get into the thing, but that's the, if every five years, they're coming up with a new thing. First was like no sugar, then no fat, no thing, and then no gluten. Ooh, I want a gluten-free. Right. It's just like... But people yeah. make money off that, don't they? Yeah, that's why. So they use the advertisement. It's just like you're drinking. I saw a, I saw a bottle of water who was saying no calorie one day. Yes, this, this, you know, no, they should add no gluten, gluten-free. Yeah. It's right. water, motherfuckers. So, um, anyway, so talking about cooking, yeah, I'm going to say something because there I was kind of uh, getting crazy with the, the bullshit. You know, I uh, really tell people, try to simplify your recipes. You know, I worked in some very famous hotel, restaurant in the south of France, okay. Arm Beach in Cannes, and you know, okay. just to name one of them. But uh, people in America tend to add stuff. They think, oh, I'm going to put, oh, put that thing, that herb, they put, no, no. I'm, you know, I make some people some salmon, for instance, yeah. and people say, oh, delicious. What did I use? I grilled the salmon with salt and pepper. Yes. That's it. It's the truth. Right. That's the truth. You know what yeah. I mean? No, they have to add, oh, I'm going to put some this or some that. No, if you want to taste the fish, you know, what the hell are you doing? And that's something that I like to tell people. Just simplify. Make, you know, salt and pepper. Mm -hmm. That's the, the main thing. If you use it, you know, like yeah. people like uh, making vegetables. They steam the vegetables. Al dente, you don't want to overthink. Right. And then I put in a, in a pan some olive oil, yep. garlic, and the, the 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 vegetable is already hot. You know, it's just coming out of the thing. Okay. I put it in there, sauté, salt and pepper, chuk chuk, and people they love it. Oh, like what is this? Vegetable. How is it so good? Hmm? They say, why is it so good? Because you they know, think it's a lot. Uh, <laughs> because there's, <laughs> there's not much. Right. Even if you don't want to put the garlic for some reason because you have a meeting, just salt and pepper, saute with a little bit of olive oil, salt and pepper, boop, done. And people say, ooh, great, your vegetables now Lately I've great. been cooking that way, um, all salt and pepper. I, f I feel the same way. Um, is there a relation in music to that? If, in composing yeah, the relation, music or yes, playing the music? Yeah, is that uh, some people tend to make things too complicated. You know, it's just like too many notes yeah. and things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that's the problem of uh, some of the new players. Mm -hmm. 
that have a, like amazing technique. To, talking about bass players, okay. some of the new guys, they just they play twice as fast as I do. You really? know what I mean? But I find that hard to believe. <laughs> That's what we were saying with the Stanley Clark. You know, yeah. they play twice as fast as we do. Really? Wow! I yeah, that's what that. we see. We kind of exaggerate, but they're really, really quick. You know. Okay. And uh, uh, the thing is, sometimes they forget. You know, space. You have to leave space to make people appreciate what you're doing. If it's impressive. Yes. But. People won't remember, you know. That's why people love the uh, Jaco Pastorius. Yeah. Why? He starts to solo. It was like freaking melodies, you know. Gives you goosebumps. Yes. You listen. But musical. Yes, yes, because it's beautiful. Yes. And you have time. You hear the, oh, the melody and all that. And that's something that uh, I picked up. Uh, when I the first time I heard uh, Jaco, it was yeah. a pianist friend of mine. I did the first album with him. Okay. You know Daniel Goyon. Okay. One day he knocked on my door, open. He was outside with a record, and he gave me he said, "Hey man, listen to that. There's a guy who plays like you." <laughs> yeah. That's what That's he said. Cool. That's cool. Just, <laughs> yeah. So he gave me the album. It was Jaco's album. I went to listen to the album. It's like, oh my god. The, the melody, I loved it. And I used to play like a ballad of hell. And that told me, ah, no, no, he's right, you know, you gotta, you know. So that influenced you? Yeah, influenced for the melody. Yes. Because I already was playing like a ballad right. of hell. Right. I, I couldn't play like him. Right. I actually still cannot really, I cannot play like he does. You Why? Know? Why? Is it's that? just the, the, the technique, the, the way I, you know, I can, like I recorded on the album you will see on uh, Invent Your Future. I'm yeah. actually finally recording, I recorded a Continuum. Mm-hmm. Oh, know? yeah, yeah. So that's I, a great song. I, I copied the way he played the melody. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, you know, that's because it's slow so I can do it. But the other thing, mm. uh, I, um, it's not the same because I already had my technique. Yes. I was already playing my stuff and yes. I kept playing my stuff. but. I had it, the thing of a melody, and then I went to play with Chick Corea, and uh, I used to play, and Chick Corea said, Melody, play some melody. <laughs> he he was that. also telling me the same thing. Really? Yeah, play some melody. And I became a very melodic player thanks to these two guys. It's just In like a real. Chick Corea and Jaco Pascal. Yeah, wow. because they kept, you know, Chick, play some melody, man, some melodies. And I became really good at playing melodies, and uh, that's why I, I'm missing on some new players. Mm-hmm. They tend to play amazing phrases, but they forget melody. That's what people remember. Is this a, in the drumming world, there's a phenomenon called the internet drummer. Is there such a thing as an internet bass player? Yes, they do. You have always some people, you know, going on the uh, internet and playing something. There's you get a, lot, get a bunch of followers and a bunch of likes. Yeah, there's, there's oh. one of my favorites is an Italian, Federico Malaman. Okay. He's a kind of a, Big setting yeah, guy, you yeah. know, with beard and all that, and mm-hmm. the guy is hilarious. Is He's he? funny, is he? And he can really play. And he, he invite, and you know, I invite all the place players, and they play, and they are making faces. It's really you have to look at Frederick so Malaman. I uh, once one, I mean, yeah, when he posts, you know, yeah, I uh, yeah. watch because it's always funny and mm-hmm. very good. I actually recording right now. I start recording uh, uh, a baseball two album. 
Oh, okay. And I have him, he plays on one of the tracks. Right? I wanted him to play for the guy. Good guy. Does he, he is a is an internet bass player in the drumming world that some people feel that internet drummers don't have experience playing with other musicians? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's possible. This guy seems to be good because he plays bass line very well. Because this mm -hmm. is one of the other thing mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, those players, oh, yeah. you know, they forgot to play the bass. So as I tell students, you say, well, you want to make a living, you're going to have to play the bass, you know. That's interesting. What does that mean? The pocket. Yeah. Play the bass line with the pocket. Really nail the thing down. That's really what you're hired for. Exactly. So don't forget, it's great if you can play a solo. But the fact that I played with uh, Chick Corea, Herbie Hancock, and all those people, yeah. Tony Williams, because yeah. I played the bass. Oh, I know. And then, of course, they wanted me to play solos. Yeah. But I played the bass. Uh, I mean, you're, I'm no expert, but... You just have a fucking wicked groove. I mean, yeah, I, thank I remember you. watching you and Wacko on the road. Sometimes you, you guys would lock in on the thing. It was just magical. Yeah, the, the pocket just get into the pocket. Mm -hmm. What people didn't know because I use, I look like a, at least ten years old, younger than I am. Yeah. When I was with Chikoria, I was 28. Oh really? People thought I was 18. Not your little kid. Yeah, oh. they thought I was 18 or something like that, and I already had a career in Paris as a studio musician, okay. playing bass line, you go, you know, in the morning you bring your bass, you know, you go in the studio, mm -hmm. you sign the, a paper mm -hmm. to be paid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> good, that's good, that's always good. And then you sit down, you know, put the headphones, plug on a direct box your bass, you know, uh -huh. and they put a chart in front of you, and you just play the, whatever is written. You that's cannot awesome. add a note, whatever, well, French sure. people are really like a... Is that right? Oh yeah, they, they write the bass drums as well, I mean the, the drum part. Wow, note for note? Note for note, wow. and the guy that to read the thing, you know. So. That's kind of, in some ways that's easier, because you don't have to think. No, uh, it's, it's okay, you don't yeah. have to think. The, the problem, they always, uh, always like a, a godify, you know, like people like Quincy Jones and okay. things like that. They don't understand that Quincy hire a drummer, give him a chart with uh, some passage Road that map. he wants to play. Yeah. But he let him play. Yeah, that's why I hired him. <laughs> exactly, and he yeah. doesn't write. He let him figure out the drum beat. He's gonna fit something with a bass player. They let them play, mm -hmm. and it's funny. All the French arranger think, "Oh yeah, Quincy Jones and all that." Let the guy play. You know and what causes that French arranger to be that way? Because they've been taught, you cultural know, cultural ego or, would, or both. Uh, yeah, it's a, kind of an ego. They, you know, they think everything they do is perfect. They don't understand that you gotta give some leeways, you right. know. So It'd be better, right? Uh, yeah, make it, let people make it better. You know? How many so. tunes would you do when you were doing your studio work in France? Like, uh, usually, morning, yeah. you know, it depends. It could be the, the, the whole record, you know, okay. playing the bass line. And what, what was terrible on top of it, they would uh, do the, the rhythm section first. Thinking rhythm section, it was drums and bass, and they had a, a guy with an acoustic guitar strumming chords. So you're playing and you don't know what's going to be on top at all. Okay. So you're reading you're the chart. You're kind of blind. Yeah, you're yeah. reading the chart. Yeah. And uh, they don't understand that uh, you should put a rhythm, Some something, reference. something that yeah. uh, you can change the line a little bit to make it better. Because you, you know, know what it's going to be. Yes. Yeah. They, they, they didn't do that. No, no, no. It was all the sessions. It was like that with the guitar player strumming the guitar. They wouldn't use after, right? Because take that they out. would like add a scratch yeah. track. Well, 
So that, that was a kind of a pathetic, you know. After a while, I, just, I got out of that thing, you know. But uh, the advantage, I can play any style of music. Because uh, of what? <coughs> session, playing different things, gigs in Paris. The, especially, I played a lot of gigs with Brazilian people. At the mm. time, the, the, the economy of Brazil was terrible. They used to go to France, you know, and okay. uh, you have all those Brazilian musicians that were okay. magnificent. And I played with a bunch of them, so, uh, and actually play uh, acoustic guitar, you know, you Brazilian oh, oh, oh. style. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's on my album, you know, uh, uh, Cafe Ole. Yeah, I'm, I love I'm that. Play, I that yeah. I'm playing, the, I'm the one playing the acoustic oh, you guitar. Are? Yeah. On that? Oh, it's me I playing that on my acoustic iPod. guitar. I just did a session with uh, my wife, uh, you know, Karen Peoples. Yeah. Uh, she did a, an album called. Uh, Romantic Bossa Nova, mm. and I play the acoustic bass and the guitar on the whole album. I'm the one playing oh, the that's, that's awesome. <laughs> Brazilian style guitar. Wow. That's, you know, so I really know the, the, the feel. I know how to play it right. Authentic. Yes. Yeah. For me, for instance, I, I love, for instance, Cuban musicians that mm -hmm. I think are amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, Cuban music. These people nail the shit down. Mm -hmm. I can hear when they play the Brazilian thing that they're not playing it right. Really? <laughs> yeah. Why is that? Because <clears throat> everything in the Cuban music is 16 notes, you know, okay. with the clavier and all that. Okay. Brazilian music, it's not it's a lapsilude. And the way you play the bass, you know, they usually emphasize two and four. Okay. It's got that sound that it makes it like, oh, it's moving a certain way. Mm -hmm. And just to say, sometimes I hear, uh, you know, Cuban playing uh, Brazilian tune and it's mm -hmm. good because they're good. But it's not, not exactly right because be. I, mm -hmm. I know the difference. I know the difference in the groove, you know, because mm -hmm. I know how to play it. Because you played back then. Yeah, I play and I play the guitar. I know, uh, I know what it feels like. <laughs> now, you know, in that studio, you're at in the beginning what was in because I like to talk about technology too because that's one thing you and I have in common is we like gadgets because of studio recording you know you you know so what was in that studio when you were a session musician what was in that control room I, I, I they didn't let us go in a control room no no you go you sit down you put the chart you up and you go that's it next <laughs> tune and finished you See? don't go in a thing they were like big stars I, I record for bunch of big stars, French stars. Yeah. That uh, I remember a couple of them, but uh, the other one I don't even remember their names. Well, what <coughs> generally was the technology in that time period for uh, for audio recording? Well, they usually they have Neve boards, yeah. you know, and the compressor uh, LA2A and things like that. Yeah. And uh, obviously uh, you, tape. <coughs> yeah. Uh -huh. And the, the, you put it, uh, and they're the one making the the sound on your bass. Right. And the, you're going uh, direct no control. In or yeah. Or? Be, and yeah. up, on top of it, it was a, with a, a precision bass. You, you turn everything up. <laughs> okay. And you just play, and they do whatever they want with it, and everybody okay. sounds the same. Right. <coughs> right. You know, so. But uh, uh, I did some session where they would hire me, and they would let me play. And so they wanted me to. Cause oh, the, that's awesome. The group, oh, that's yeah. awesome. So, uh -huh. Some people they knew, so no, no, yeah. I, want, I want him. Yeah. You know, I remember a session with the, the top guys that. Uh, can sight read music mm -hmm. upside down or whatever. Yes. And me, I read music, but I'm not uh, was not that good as these people. They were ridiculous. Okay. 
For instance, I remember a session with a guitar player, uh -huh. uh, uh, Claude Angel. Okay. That guy can sight read a piano part and manage to play it on the guitar. Wow. <laughs> We're talking about. Wow. <laughs> Freaking, That's a brain, huh? Yeah, freaking hell, side with her. <laughs> and now he wanted me to, you know, so he got me in the sessions. And uh, they would bring the chart, and if the chart looked a little complicated, he would come, he'd say, oh, let me show you. He would play, oh <laughs> he would play God. me the... Seriously? Yeah, because like this, if God. I hear it once, then he'll say, oh, okay, because I could read it, but if the guy, you know, he would come, so oh, let me show you, this one is a little harder. <laughs> really? So he would play it once, I'd say, oh, okay, thank you. And then, uh, <laughs> That's amazing. Because he wanted me to play, and he, he wanted to be sure, you know, you I, could read, I could read the, wow. the, the part, you know, so, but I'm, I, I was pretty good, but right. not that good like these guys. I mean, <laughs> ridiculous, you know. I have a funny story for people. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ross Tomkin. Yes. Ross Tomkin was a music director of the Tonight Show with uh, Doc oh, Severinsen, yeah, yeah. Right, right. pianist, yep. leader. I met him, you know, one day he came, I was playing in a club called Dante's. That yeah, I remember Dante's, Dante's yeah. It was great. Yeah. And the guy comes and says, oh man, you know, I have a story for you. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you know that I do arrangements. I say, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, so I was hired in Paris to do an arrangement, and uh, I called the, the, you know, I talked to the, the the guy that calls the musician, you know, and I told him, well, you better get me somebody that really reads very well because mm. for the piano because I'm a pianist and it's really hard to read. Hmm. And the contractor said, oh yeah, no problem. Okay. So he, he said he brushed me off, so I was worried, you know. So I come an hour before in the studio, say, hi, I'm Ross Tomkin, you know, so I'm in the hour, say, oh, yeah, yeah. Is the pianist here? And uh, the guy say, oh, yeah, yeah, he's in, the, you know, so. He say, I look through the window, you know, and I see the pianist was black. Mm. Then he say, don't get me wrong, it's just most black musicians don't yeah. read as well. Okay. That's what he said. Okay. And when he told me that, I was like, uh, you know, say, okay. Was, I, I saw a guy with a bone in his nose. You know what I mean? Right. Just like, right. <laughs> Come on, give me a break. Right. Say, what's his name? I, say, I, I don't know, but if you say the name, so anyway, so I go in the studio and say, hi, I'm Russ Tomkin. Would you like to use that? Look at the piano part. And the pianist say, oh yeah, of course. So he say, I give him the thing. So he opened the chart, put it in the piano, and he starts playing the thing. And he said, he turns to me and he says, playing. This is good. <laughs> when he said that, he said, Georges Rabol. You see, that's the name of you. You could have put the chart upside down, he would have read it. We used to do that with him. We used to throw his charts on the piano mm. upside down or whatever. And he reads, oh he reads everything. That's wow. when he told me. Wow. <laughs> I told the story to Herbie Hancock and he wanted to meet him. And when we played in uh, Paris, I invited Georges to, you know, he wanted to meet Georges. Wow. <laughs> Originally, it was for Martinique, you know, mm. and for me, it was George. It was not like the way he took the. Amazing. Go ahead. Uh oh, let me tell the guy. Yeah, go oh, ahead. Just go ahead. Jean Philippe. Monsieur Benny. Oui, je suis en train de faire une, un interview là. Je te rappelle. Sans problème. Okay, okay, ciao. And, uh, you know, that was, he was all happy for me to meet, and the guy I kicked the ass. I'm telling you, the, that's the best sight reader on the yeah. piano I ever saw. 
Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. The, the, he, can, he can see one page at a time, and he remembers one everything. page at a time. Yeah, he look at one page. That's why he started playing, and he start looking at it. He remember all the things, the piano, the forte, the whatever. Who reads like that? One, Nobody reads like that. Right? I don't know. That's fucked. I don't know. That's he was up. like, <laughs> that was funny when he said, wow. when he said, he looked I've at me. I've never seen anybody read like that. Yeah. It's amazing. He was wow. looking at me as oh, Georges Rabot. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about what you, your training, if any, as a musician. Like, what did you do to? When did you? When did you decide you wanted to play the bass, or or were you a guitar player? Well, first or? I'll. Uh, it it worked out. Uh, Strangely, it's just like the universe puts you in the right place at the right moment if you're following what excites you okay. with like no that. expectation. I like that. That's what I tell people. Follow, follow what you want to do. Yes. Follow what excites you the best way you can, you know, with no expectation. Yes. And do not listen to other people telling you things. Of course, if they tell you, don't put your hand on the fire, you're going to burn right. yourself. Right. I'm talking about the way you want to do things, do it your way. Yeah. Because that's their beliefs. Yes. It's not your belief. Right. And it may work for them because that's what they believe, but it's not your belief. So don't be a belief thief. A belief Just thief, I like that, yeah. Follow what excites you, the one you want to do it, mm -hmm. with no expectation. With no expectation. I like okay? that, yeah. And uh, that's what I was doing, you know. So I, you know, first I had some piano lessons, a yeah. little bit. My mother didn't have the money to keep going. Yeah. And then I went to the college. It was a hotel college. That's where I learned everything about hotels. I know that's everything why about I hotels. Have such tasty salad dressing. And then, uh, oh. you know, I liked the, the cooking because they're artistic, but uh, I did everything yeah. about hotel. I can run a hotel, yeah. you know, basically. Anyway, and then they, they were. And when looking, you were at the hotel place, I, we'll get back to the. What were you listening to? What did you like to listen to when you were learning the hotel? Well, the thing is, my How mother, my mother liked yeah. jazz. Okay. So she would be at home, you know, hiring and she. What kinds of jazz? What kinds of jazz? Louis Armstrong, yeah. you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, listening to uh, Errol Gardner and mm -hmm. things like that. You know, that's uh, what yeah. she likes. You know, so. Yeah. So I'm used to hear that thing like that. So I always uh, liked the jazz anyway. Yeah. But uh, then. One day, you know, they were looking for uh, somebody to play the guitar, chords, on the college band. So, oh, I went over there, you know. The, you can see on my side, there's a, there's a picture with me with the guitar, with the dark glasses looking cool. You know. <laughs> and anyway, it was kind of French pop, you know. Okay. Yeah, nothing right. special. And uh, <clears throat> one day they told me, oh, there's uh, one of uh, the guy here, you know, wants to, going to play the bass. He uh, was the son of a very famous cartoonist, Bellus, in oh, French, whatever. Cartoonist, okay, yeah. And uh, uh, I said, all oh, right, so see, here is some money, go to that address, come back with a, an acoustic bass. I went over there, you know, and came back with a bass, you know, and all that. And then I arrived, said, yeah, I got the bass and everything. I said, well, you know, he decided he's not going to do it, so why don't you play the bass? Just like that. And that's how I became a bass player. That is it? That's it. And I started playing and I liked it and it was kind of a easy, you know, it was like... How could that be easy? There's no frets on there and... Well, I just got into it and then we started playing with the pianist and the drummer. We were playing uh, uh, things, uh, Oscar Peterson and things like mm -hmm. that. So yeah. I learned by here, you know, yeah. it, it was... Uh, uh, You're mimicking... Yeah, I yeah. was copying, uh, what's his name? It's not Ray Brown, the one before. Uh, it's going to come back. Uh, oh yeah, I love Ray Brown. Uh, 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 
Sam Jones was oh, Sam Jones. Yeah. Wow. So I was listening to Sam Jones, you know, ping, you know, bass line and all that. And then after Ray Brown, there was there was the music, you know, Night Train. You know, and uh, uh, just playing jazz like that. And then some Dave Brubeck, mm -hmm. you know, and everything I was doing was just by here playing like that, you know. So and. Uh, 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 then somebody lent me uh, an electric bass, so okay. I practiced bass, I was playing, and yeah. I started doing some gigs, I was playing electric bass and things like that, you know, just bass lines. Uh -huh. And I keep uh, doing the thing by myself. Then I went to the Nice Conservatory of Music, okay. classical music, and they had a, a, th a three-year course for a pride bass. Okay. So uh, uh, when I, so it was the first month, you know, was a first year, of course, yes. I started. Yeah. Then the second month, they put me on the second year. And the third month, they put me on the third year. <laughs> <laughs> so this is an accelerated course for you. Yeah, it was like, a, <laughs> no problem playing the stuff. And then, uh, anyway, then even the, 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 the teacher was really fun, really nice guy, very good. Uh, wanted me to teach his son how to play the electric bass. I never had the opportunity to do it, but he wanted me to teach his son how to that's play awesome. electric bass. The teacher bass. wanted you to do it. So anyway, so that's, and I kept going and then I started uh, just practicing. I was just playing, practicing and uh, always listening to bass solo and they were like mysteries, you know. It was like a mystery. It was, uh, it was like drum solos, you know. They okay. were playing bass solos. Why solo. was it a mystery? Uh, because they, they were not really playing the changes. I couldn't That's hear true. any melody or whatever. It was just like a, you know, or simply playing kind of a upgraded bass line. True. But they were not really. And me, you know, I wanted to solo like a Herbie Hancock. I wanted to solo like Coltrane. I wanted to phrase. So I started practicing because that's what I wanted to do. And a friend of mine, bass player, one day I come to his house, he said, oh, listen to that, and he put a record. And it was uh, uh, Bill Evans live at the Montreux Jazz Festival oh. with Eddie Gomez on oh. the bass. And he was, uh, he, he put the, the bass solo, Ambrose W. And I thought, yeah, that's what I want to do, that's the thing. That showed me the direction I was going in the right, it's So you possible. heard Eddie Gomez in that? Yeah, I cannot play like him at all, but at least he showed me that I... That's what you wanted to aim for. Yeah, I want to be playing phrases like he does, like, yeah. you know, the great Eddie Gomez. So uh, uh, that's why so I kept practicing and, uh, as I say, I had no expectations, but wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I kept practicing and things like that, so that was the... the for the other kids. That, how did you just, <coughs> like, how did you practice? Like, what did you... Every day. So you, you wake so up in the morning, pick up the bass, play, have lunch, play? pick what up the you, bass, play. Exercises or listening to music and playing along to it? Or what did you do? What was your method? Uh, some exercises, definitely mm -hmm. some exercises. Is there any book you can and point yes, to? Yes, I, uh, I have a, wrote like a, uh, with, a, Mel, with Mel Bay and uh, Al Leonard. I have a, about three of them with Mel Bay and a couple of them with Al Leonard. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I, where I teach the practice the, what I did, you know, from the start. And what does that do? If, if I'm a bass player and I want to play bass, like, not like you, but like myself, what, do, what is a book going to help? How's that going to yeah, help? The idea is just you have to get the mechanics, the muscle memory going <clears throat> to be able to do what you want to do. You want to be able to do it. So that's why I give an exercise with fingers, right hand and left hand, to make the connection with the brain. 
you know. And uh, uh, basically, the uh, bass instrument is not like a trumpet or even a piano. It's a or saxophone. It's it's a, an instrument that you have a, a you know patterns that you can see. Okay. You know, it's a, it's just geometric patterns. Okay. So physically on the instrument? Yes. Okay. The the way classical people teach the pride bass and the cello and all that, they don't teach like that. <coughs> people start on the low string and they go on one string to go up and down. They don't go across. They don't jump strings. Yeah, they don't really go. They go with me one string, but they don't go too much. A little right. bit, but not right. too much. Right. So <coughs> you cannot really see a geometric pattern. Okay. Okay. But <coughs> the way I teach is with the positions. If I have a fingering to play a C major, you know, two four one two four one three four. Yeah. If I go half step up, I'm playing C sharp. Right. You know. It's the same thing. So okay. it makes it simpler because it's all, always it's the same visual. fingering. You know, you can move the thing around mm -hmm. and you can look at it. You can actually have a visual you when you're it. moving, changing position. You can see, oh, this one goes like that and all that. So that's usually what I teach people that they can actually realize that it's geometric forms. You can repeat it and moving it around and things like that. And once they see that, <coughs> they can make their own choice of what exactly. to do. Exactly. Because I don't tell them what to play. I just have them the thing to do and on top of it doing that kind of exercise that I give after a while the brain connects the fingers with the sound the brain connects the fingers yeah. with the sound yeah you don't have to have perfect pitch we know pa 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 this is one this one you know and actually can sing anything I play mm, you always were that way right right I can sing it before I play because I know I know where they go the finger you know mm -hmm. and that was created by repetition like that practicing yeah. I used to practice eight ten hours a day by the way eight or ten hours a day okay wow. I used to do six I can't I thought six was a lot eight or ten that's a lot <laughs> my god so anyway and that's what teaches people and then after a while they uh, you know, oh yeah I can go this way I can no and then you can have arpeggios and things like that. You can make the exercise even more, you know, and make it complex. That's why right. I made the first one, and then I brought another book to make it showing different fingerings, okay. extended fingerings that give even more possibility for people okay. to explore. Right. But as I say, what's good, you don't have to have a perfect pitch in order to be able to play what you want to play when you want to play it. Right. And. Uh, I mentioned, you know, you have people like uh, uh, Joe Zawinul yeah. at perfect pitch. Oh, he did? He did. Okay. So, he, uh, perfect pitch. But Herbie Hancock doesn't. Chikorira doesn't. Yeah. And, and that doesn't stop them to be the greatest. No, you know. But it's the same thing when they're on the piano. If you play a note, uh, you know, there's this one. Because it's of, relative. Of course, after they play, they know one the name, yeah. but they don't hear the name. They just know. Oh, so not it's out of right, thin it's air. Right but and yeah. On top of it, they can put a chord to it. You know, you hear, oh yeah, yeah, let's put that guy in there. Let's make it fit. You know, right. I'm saying that just to show that uh, it's okay. You know, if you don't have perfect right. pitch. Right. Right. But the advantage of the people with perfect pitch is sight reading. How so? Because they're looking at the thing and they hear the sound. Oh wow. 
me, true. I needed the guy to play it once for me when Just it was complicated. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I got it, you know. You understand? Right. But for sight reading, it's easier to read. They see it and they hear it. Yeah. Weird, that's weird. Yeah, they, uh, they, they did a good scene on uh, Hamadeus, the movie. Mm. Where, I remember, I saw that. Where you have Salieri that yeah. picks up one of his chops and he starts singing. Da, 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 da. Uh. <laughs> that's what it is. Oh. <coughs> yeah, that's it's cool. That's very but cool. But you understand what I mean? It's just, uh, it, yes. it, like it's, it's perfect if you can do it, but it's not necessary. necessary. Right. It's not something to be a great jazz player. It's, it's not. It's not something. So I like to jump around. So I was watching YouTube, and I see my friend Bunny Burnell. No, no, I saw my, one of my favorite drummers, Tony Williams. And he's just amazing. I can't remember the tune. And then it's mostly Tony, you know. And then the camera slowly zooms back, and there you are. <laughs> what was that? Where was that at? I don't remember. We have no. a, a few of them. There's a bunch of them. The video you a bunch that of TV you've shows seen. With him. What was it like to play with Tony Williams? 